just um, say thank you to Jeff for all that he's helped me do and help all the men doing as we're going through this uh, psalm series. I, I know over the last couple of days, um, as I've been wrapping up this lesson, I've gone back to the packets so that he's given me, and it's like this thing. So it's like <laughs> it's, it's really resourceful, especially when you know I get stuck on a thing. I can go in and look at a different commentary he gave me or some of the notes he wrote himself. So, uh, Jeff, I really appreciate everything you've done for us for that. So, um, so this morning we're going to be going through Psalm 121, and a little bit of background before we get into it. Um, much like Psalm 124 that we went through that I taught a couple months ago, uh, Psalm 121 is a song of ascents. So as a refresher, uh, all the psalms between 120 and 134 are considered songs of ascents. But these are the psalms that are believed to be uh, songs that were sung by the Israelites as they traveled to Jerusalem on their pilgrimage uh, for worship. So the men would travel far and wide from their hometowns uh, to go ascend the mountainous terrain of Jer uh, Jerusalem to participate in the three annual festivals uh, every year. Um, as we'll see in the psalm this, uh, this morning, ascent could also refer to the way that they would look up to the temple at Mount Zion. Um, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, and therefore where the Lord resided uh, for them. Uh, some more background. Also, Psalm, like Psalm 124, one, Psalm 121 is a liturgical psalm. Um, and liturgy simply means the order of service. So just like we have an order of service every Sunday morning where we have different people coming up, and some are doing announcements, reading scriptures, praying, uh, that's the liturgy for our Sunday morning. So the Psalm 121 is also the liturgical psalm, and we'll see that same theme where we have multiple speakers throughout the psalm as well. Um, one main difference between 124 and 121, um, you'll see, is 124 was the psalm of thanksgiving, uh, where the Lord or the people were praising the Lord for delivering them through their from their enemies, and Psalm 121 is. Uh, the people seeking the Lord for help in their journey. So that's why I've titled today's lesson, Seek the Lord, Our Mighty Protector. Now, Psalm 121 comes before 124. Uh, the author, author is seeking help in 121 when David was offering praise of uh, thanksgiving. So I'd like to think this lesson kind of like a prequel to my lesson before. Hopefully, unlike the Star Wars prequels, this was just as good as the original, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but before I read, I wanted to uh, ask anyone, has anybody heard of or read the book, The Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah, so a lot of you have heard of that, at least. Um, so I had to look it up. <laughs> I, had, I had never read the book, but um, naturally, I, I read through the cliff notes to get an idea of what it was all about. But... For those of you who have, haven't read it or heard about it, there, it follows a man named Christian who's um, traveling from the city of destruction, which is the world he lives in, and trying to get to his destination of the celestial city, which is a metaphor for heaven on top of Mount Zion. And along the way, he runs into a bunch of men and women and beasts that are trying to divert his direction and send him down a different path. Um, so I... I saw a lot of comparisons between that story and the journey that these men are going through in this psalm. So um, keep that in mind or as we uh, 
read through Psalm 121. <clears throat> so Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So one of the first things you might have noticed is the repetition of the Lord in our text. It appears five times, actually, in verses 2, twice in verse 5, and then 7 and 8. And you might recall from Dan's lesson last week when he was going through uh, his lesson in talking about the different ways that the word Lord appears in the text and the different meanings. So he was talking about the covenant name of God, Yahweh. He was talking about how the Lord... The word Lord can be used for Jesus, or it could be used for an earthly king as well. Um, as we go through this text, the Lord that is being used in this is entirely Yahweh every single time. So just keep that in mind. Uh, <clears throat> Van Gameren, in his commentary uh, regarding this text, describes Yahweh in this way. This is a really uh, cool way to look at it. Yahweh alone is God. The sole source of help comes from Yahweh who as creator has unlimited power. Um, so in, in contrast to that, um, we see in 135, which is right outside the psalm of a sense, but um, we see the psalmist speaking of idols who cannot help. And starting in verse 15, uh, it reads like this. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, they have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. So with that being considered, let's move on to the structure of the text. So when we look at the structure, we can break it down into two sections. We're looking at verses 1 through 2, where we see the seeker, and verses 3 through 8, where we have the responder. And this is where we see the liturgical aspect of the text. Um, if you look at the pronouns that are used in verses 1 and 2, you see the word my is used three times. Then if you look at the rest of the text, 3 through 8, the pronoun shifts from my to your and you. So that tells us that the person who's speaking is changing in that. So they're going from somebody speaking in first person to somebody speaking in a second person. So... As this is changing, you can picture as they're singing these songs that one person, like Tom, is saying, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then Bob stands up and says, he will not let your foot be moved, and so on. So you see that changing in the people who are talking within the, the song. So as we zoom into the first section, um, this is where you'll see the seek part coming from my title. The first verse says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And we can look at that in a couple different ways. 
Um, first, a lot of the other translations, other than the ESV, replace hills with mountains. Um, so you can picture the journeyer looking up and ahead and asking for uh, for help while he's traveling through the uh, difficult terrain of the mountains. And the, uh, the the New American Standard Bible and the Christian Standard Bible translate to where will my help come from. So there's that future thinking tense of when they get there, who will be helping me when I'm going through that. There's also a thought of the journeyer looking up at Mount Zion as he's traveling towards Jerusalem and seeing the temple upon the mount and being inspired, especially if you read it along with verse 2 and say, where does my help come from? And he points up to the temple and says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and earth, as the CSB says. So this is where I get the almighty part of my title. The one who will be providing the help is the almighty Lord who created heaven and earth. We saw a similar phrase in the closing of Psalm 124 where David said, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So as the traveler gazed upon the mountains, as he, he not only admires the majesty of the mountain itself, but also the Lord who made them. Um, they traveled to Jerusalem for their pilgrimage pilgrimage, but understood that the city itself did not help them, nor did the hills or the temples, but the Lord who created the heavens and the earth is one um, that could. So what an amazing sense of confidence we can feel when we can rely on the Lord for our help. So moving on uh, from the first section to the second section, verses 3 through 8, um, we see it explaining all the ways... Um, or the way that the Lord helps us or helps those who seek him. Um, another way that the word keeper in our text is translated is protector. And we see the word keep or keeper or protector or protect appear six times in our text. And that's where I get the protector part of my title. In the first half of verse 3, it starts with, He will not let your foot be moved. So the first thing you might notice, uh, as I mentioned before, in this section is the pronoun change from my to your. Again, this was uh, this indicates a changing in the speaker within the liturgy. The speaker tell, starts by telling us that the Lord will not let your foot move, or in the NIV it says slip instead of move. And this would be valuable for the travelers who are going through the mountains and ascending the mountains that the Lord would keep their footing and not allow them to slip on the rocky and uneven ground of the, the terrain. So you imagine slipping or twisting your ankle or something worse while you're traveling those great distances and what a great burden what that would have been on them. So you can't call 911 and have an ambulance pick you up and help you the rest of the way. They would have had to rely on other people or, or animals to continue to their journey. Um, <clears throat> But another way you can look at it is the idea of your feet not moving or slipping um, as meaning one standing firm in their beliefs and their faith. So by a show of hands, how many people here have been on a boat or own a boat? So when you go out into the water and you want to go swimming, you don't want to move, you would put down a, an anchor. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> so think, think of... Um, Think about what that anchor does for the boat. It weighs it down, it 
allows it to not move so it doesn't drift off into another boat or into you or, or something dis disastrous happening. So we can think of the Lord as our anchor. And that's what this is talking about in our text. Um, think about the Lord as the anchor that keeps your feet firmly planted on the grounds of your faith and belief. Uh, our sinful bodies and minds tend to wander and desire things that aren't good according to, the, to God. But when we rely on God, we know that he will keep us steady in our faith and our, in our deeds. So, just to recap, the first way the Lord protects us is by keeping our feet both physically and mentally. The second way the Lord protects us is by always watching over us. We see in the second half of verse 3 and verse 4, explains this by saying, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And we saw this use of repetition in verse in, in chapter 124 as well, where it started, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. So you see that repetition there as well. Um, in our text, we have that similar structure where it starts with he who keeps you in a singular sense in three, then moving to the entire nation in four by saying he who keeps Israel. So we see a sort of parallel there between the two psalms. And he's keeping them or protecting them by not slumbering or sleeping. He, uh, he's always watching over them. So think about someone who's put in charge. You think about a movie or something where somebody's in charge of watching over a group at night um, so they don't get attacked or robbed in the darkness. Um, I know that when I've watched it, I've always thought if I was the person in charge, I would immediately fall asleep because I can never stay awake at night. But, you know, because men, we would be susceptible to our bodies needing sleep. Um, it also made me think about the disciples in Matthew 26 when they're with Jesus in Gethsemane and Jesus is praying before he's been captured and comes back to see his, uh, the disciples sleeping. And he says, so could you not watch with me one hour? I kind of felt for the disciples in that sense because I feel like I'd be the same way. <laughs> um, it, it gives you that sense of Jesus or God not sleeping. Um, but as humans, we are susceptible to that. Another interesting account um, in 1 Kings 18 um, is when Elijah has challenged the prophets of Baal, and he's challenged them to call to their God to cast down fire. And when nothing happens, Elijah mocks them by saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep or, and must be awakened. But we can rest on the fact that our Lord will never sleep. He will always be ready and waiting for us to call on him when needed. We can count on him to be there when we need to be protected. So for the remainder of the text, um, we see examples of how the Lord is always protecting us, both in sense of time and circumstance. So if we look at verses 5 and 6, we see the Lord who walks beside those who seek him and being their shelter. It reads like this, The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. 
So the way that we can look at this and how it signifies is that there's no part of the day that the Lord will not be watching over us. Um, during the day, the Israelites would have been traveling with the heat of the sun beating down them, on them. The text says, the Lord is your shade, or it can be actually be translated as a shadow. And the shade would have certainly been welcoming for the travelers as protection from the sun. And there's also ten other references within the whole book of Psalms as the Lord's protection, and it, it refers to as a shadow of your wings. So imagine the Lord's wings out and the shadow that would be casting down on his people and the relief that would be from, for the people um, from the sun. Uh, you can see that in Psalm 17, 36, 57, just as a few examples. Then we see in that same text that the Lord's protection doesn't always just happen during the day, but also happens at night. And there's a couple ways to interpret that. Um, the text says the Lord protects them from the moon. And while the moon itself doesn't have the same effects physically as the sun would, um, there's this idea of being moonstruck at night that would cause mental instability. Um, also in the desert, although it's very hot during the day, it would also get very cold at night. So there's uh, chances of harm happening at night. So that idea of protection during the day and at night is um, consistent there. As we shift into verses 7 and 8, we see a tense shift as well, so from present to future. You see, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and coming in. So that word will is that clear shift that we see in the focus of time to come. As the Israelites got closer and closer to their destination, this no doubt would have been a comfort for them that even as their journey ended and they headed back home, the Lord will continue to not only keep them from evil, but protect their entire life. Uh, Derek Kinder had a, uh, a really cool part in his commentary where he points out that this does not imply a cushioned life, but a well-armed one. This might make you think of uh, Psalm 23 as well. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The idea of the Lord keeping you from evil does not guarantee that you will not face evil or never face evil, but that he will equip you with all that you need to face it head on. Now, Verse 8 had a, an interesting phrase in it. Uh, the Lord will keep your going out and coming in. And we see that phrase, going out and coming in, several times in the Bible. So basically that meant the Lord will know all your dealings throughout the day. So if you think about the Israel life at the time, a lot of them would be going out of the town to work in farms um, and then or in fields and then coming back into the town at the uh, end of the day. So you can see where the going out and coming in can translate easily for them. Uh, we see that being used in a negative way towards David in 2 Samuel 3, where David's commander Joab was speaking to David about Abner, the commander of the house of Saul. And he says, You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you and to know you're going out and coming in and to know all that you are doing. So it's just another example that nothing 
is a secret to the Lord and how he can protect his people at all times. This truth and promise from the Lord is the same that promise that Joshua received in Joshua 1. No man shall be able to stand before you all the ways of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So as we think about how this applies to us, consider Jesus as our, men, our mountain and our temple, that we no longer need to journey to a city or offer sacrifices in a temple for our salvation. We can seek Jesus right where we are and when we want to. And this is our gospel. This is The work has already been done. There's nothing required from us to gain salvation other than to put our faith in Jesus. Um, we can praise the Lord that he continues to protect us this day and every day from this day forward by sending his son to be our ultimate sacrifice so that we no longer have to look to a temple or a mountain or a city for our help, but we can look to the son who died and rose again and ascended to the Father's right hand to reign forever. And to go back to the theme of God being almighty, this could only be done by an almighty creator. Uh, Ephesians 1, 19-21 describes the Lord's power this way. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the, his right hand in the heavenly places. So thinking about the story in the Pilgrim's Progress, um, or the Israelites traveling to Jerusalem, there was this focus on reaching a destination of either heaven or Jerusalem. And I think that as Christians, we think about that that way too, that we look ahead to heaven and being with Jesus in heaven and in the presence of God. But in one commentary that I read, you put it in a really good way, is God is present in the journey as much as in the destination. That's why I think a huge takeaway from this text is knowing that no matter what you're going through in your life, good, bad, okay, God is with you through it all. He does not sleep. He does not let you slip. He is our anchor. He is the rock we set our foundation on, as Matthew 7 talks about. This psalm has been personally been a blessing for me for praying for loved ones. Uh, my mom recently went through a major surgery, and I, I took a screenshot of this psalm on my phone and just sent it to her as a prayer for her. Um, and in the coming days, to, uh, coming up to her surgery, there was a sense of calm over her that I didn't expect. Um, and it's no doubt that her belief in God being with her and protecting her was the source of that um, that calm for her. And I believe that it would be a blessing for anyone that was going through a difficult time or about to enter a particularly diff difficult circumstance. Um, one example I, was, I read while, while studying this was there was an a evangelist who was going off to Africa and his wife would send this song as a reminder of God's protection as he went into Africa. And, and um, any difficult situation, this would be a, a great psalm to pray about yourself or um, to send to somebody as a prayer. Uh, so lastly, if you feel like you're losing your footing in your faith or you're feeling evils being pressed down upon you either day or night, remember we have a Lord who never sleeps. 
who's always on watch, and who will keep your life forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, thank you for the songs like this that certainly encourage the uh, Israelites in the Promised Land, but continue to encourage us here in commerce that you are our mighty protector and our keeper. You've promised us to be our shelter from all evil and calamity that might come to us. I pray that when we do face trials and difficulties, we would come back to this text and remember that you are by our side through it, and you will not slumber and leave us vulnerable. Thank you for sending your son to be our ultimate sacrifice so that we no longer have to travel to gain forgiveness for our sins, but come to you whenever we want to repent and worship you. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.